all stand together tonight as we reverence the reading of God's Word. We're going to be looking in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 at a message I called as a father. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses in God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children that you should walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. May God bless the reading of his word tonight. It's my prayer. You may be seated. Um, This passage came to mind this week as I was preparing for uh, this morning's message, and I realized how often it is that uh, maybe as preachers we're uh, kind of being guilty of uh, the old story about a father who decided to teach his kids how to swim, and so he took them in, threw them in the swimming pool, and said, Swim. Uh, well, uh, that's not a very good way of doing things. We often give people a task without telling them exactly what it means to do it. In this passage, is one that I believe gives us some marvelous instructions that we can look at tonight about how to pass on our faith to others. Now, Paul was a church planter. And uh, we're familiar with the story of how the church at Thessalonica got started. Uh, Paul was there, and the Bible says, for three Sabbath days, he reasoned in the synagogues. And sometime then after that, sometime in that fourth week after he had been there about a month or so at the most, uh, great controversy erupted and Paul had to leave. Others were left there to continue the task, but of course he was writing these letters uh, and out of that difficulty that came, then we get First and Second Thessalonians and, and those are good things to have. We're, we're certainly grateful for these epistles But he calls on them as he writes to them, and it probably wasn't very long after he had been there, so it wasn't like he was asking them to recall something from childhood or something from several decades before. He was calling to them about something that had happened rather recently, and it was something he was going to use as an example. And how he had dealt with them in planting or starting that church. He has specific instructions then for a very specified objective. He says, I want you to walk worthy of God. Walk worthy of God. That's how it is, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. That's that's his objective. The passage also includes the matriarchal mode or model. Because in verse 7, he described himself as being like a nursing mother who cherishes her own children. And so if we draw out of this imagery then that planting a church, starting a new church, was, was very much like giving birth to a child. And of course that always is going to start with the mother because she's the one who has to carry that baby and then has to birth that baby out into the world. Once uh, she has then in fact uh, carried on and given birth to the child, she doesn't look at it and say, well that task is done. Uh, no, the work has just begun. And, uh, and all of the sorrow that has been multiplied in that because of the curse and, and uh, all of uh, the curse of God and, uh, that was put on humanity all the way back to the garden. 
Uh, we don't understand how childbirth and child rearing might have been in a sinless world. We don't know. All we know is the world we've got. And it begins with sorrow and travail. And uh, then it goes on with a lot of nurturing and cherishing. How that that mother must provide for everything for the child. How the father then ultimately will have a role. And he describes them both. So he takes that whole task of bringing a new church into existence. Of planting a church as we would call it. And compares it to the birth of a child. And how that the mother and the father, both roles are represented. And he felt by both sides of that from time to time. Like a nursing mother cherishing that newborn child, that newborn church. Like a father who's having to behave and do all the things that a father must do. All of that then is represented in this text. We could spend a lot of time then just talking about how this relates to a church ministry and church leadership. But since Paul used the parenting roles uh, as an example of how he was a church planter and how he applied them to church planting, we know that we can also make an application of that to go the other way. How that Paul's role then as a church planter, since he says it, I was like a, a nursing mother, I was like a, a, a father to you all, uh, since he said that then we know that we can see in this some examples for us in the raising, rearing of children, of grandchildren, to walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul places before them this very specific objective. To walk, and that walk simply talks about their life, their manner of living, how they live and conduct themselves. And so to, our, to the younger people, teenagers perhaps here tonight, young people and uh, parents of younger children, these are objectives that we can put before our children. These are foundational and formative objectives, crucial, critical objectives. He says that you would walk, you would live in such a way like you belong somewhere because you want to raise your children to understand that God intends for them to be a part of the kingdom. They belong somewhere. They belong to someone. They belong to God. They have a purpose for being here. If you're saved here in this service tonight, then all of these things are true of you. You belong somewhere. You're in the kingdom. You're not just isolated it's so that the world is just there for you. and It's all about you and what you want. No, you're a part of the kingdom. There's something much bigger than any one of us, the kingdom. We belong to someone. They don't just belong to ourselves, with our life, to do with it what we want. We belong to God. Walk worthy. Walk worthy, he said, of God who calls you into his own kingdom. And we have a purpose. And that purpose is to walk in such a way as to give glory to God. Do you understand how formative, how foundational those three principles are? They are foundational for every child of God. They're foundational also for us to put before our kids. These are crucial things that we keep before them as they grow. And, of course, always in front of new believers and always in front of ourselves. So how do we see this play out? Paul tells us several things. 
First of all, it is a laborious task. He said, you remember our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. So we preach to you the gospel of God. Any parent knows about that night and day part. Amen. <laughs> you got new babies around. You know about that part. Yeah, night and day. Doesn't matter what your career is or how many uh, hours a day you have to put in or how much work you've got to do tomorrow or how important the day, next day's task is. There's some night and day work that has to be put in. And it really never stops. You might think that, oh, man, when they get old enough to where they sleep at night, they feed themselves and dress themselves, and I can put them in a bed, and they'll be fine. Oh, won't life be great? Yeah, but it's not going to be long till you're going to give them that marvelous set of things called car keys. And then all, uh, all of a sudden you understand your night and day work is still going on. And in a lot of ways it's just got started good. It never ends. Our kids are grown and gone. There's a few days that I don't call their names in prayer before God in heaven and ask God to watch over them, bless them. Our work night and day never, ever stops. There are things, essential things that must be performed. Paul would describe his work more specifically in an earlier passage. He said, as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, this is verse 4, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. We did not use flattering or deceptive, covetous words. Paul was making it very clear to these people that his ministry was not about him. It was not uh, for his glory, oh no. That his concern was for them. Not as pleasing men, not as pleasing myself, but pleasing God. We can take that principle directly across to all of our households, whether there's any kids in them or not. That we would make it our objective in our house to please God who tests our hearts. Reminding ourselves that God doesn't just look at what we do. He looks at why we do it. What our motives are. Uh, in our world today, there's so many ways that uh, things can get out of kelter a bit, I guess, where our motives are concerned. I can't really judge what's going on with people, but it does seem like uh, a lot of folks think that raising their kids is revolving around making pictures for social media posts we want them to look just right and make our family look just right so that everybody say oh what perfect kids you have well you don't have perfect kids amen what a perfect house you've got well your house ain't perfect either oh what wonderful parents you are oh look at that it's that your life is just so precious and perfect no what what we can do is we can pose well for a picture. Amen? I mean, we can, we can make things look pretty good. Paul said there's more to it than that. You see that? He said, we're not seeking glory from men. It's not about covetousness. It's not about flattery. It's not about being approved by people or as pleasing men. 
you stand before the living God, we all do, who knows our hearts and sees what we do and knows why we do it. We're accountable to him for what we do and how we raise our families, how we pass the faith on to others. I love how Psalm 127 reminds us that children are a heritage of the Lord. And yes, the Bible says, blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. Quiver full. You say, how many was a quiver? Well, for me, it was five. That's how many it was. Uh, I don't know. The Bible doesn't give a particular name. Just blessed is the man who has his quiver full. And it continue on with that imagery. It says uh, they're like children or like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. They're to be uh, prepared and pointed and then propelled. <laughs> uh, yeah, like arrows that we shoot out. Uh, children are a heritage, a blessing from the Lord. He'd go on in the very next psalm, Psalm 128. And he said this, uh, to the man who is blessed that fears the Lord, he says, his wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, and thy children like olive plants around about thy table. What a precious picture. Fruitful vine, olive plants growing, soaking it in around the table. What a privilege it is to be involved in this incredible work. It's an evangelism, and evangelism is that task of reaching our world, of changing our culture and changing our community, of sharing the truth of the gospel, of reaching people. It's how we share our faith and spread the faith. Oh, but brothers and sisters tonight, let's not forget what an opportunity we have right around us in our own table, right at our own feet. When we have our children around, when we have our grandchildren around, think about this. They're like olive plants round about your table. I have to admit there's a time or two when all my grandkids are in the house that I wish they'd be still like an olive tree. <laughs> you know, wish I could get them planted in one place and they'd stay there for a little while. I tell you what, uh, uh, my, my, my house goes through a, a year's worth of carpet wear in about three days when all the kids are around. And we love every minute of it. What's carpet? What's floor? I've got paint. I can fix the walls. Go ahead. We got kids. We wish my, maybe they'd be a little bit more stable. But God sums it all up and says, Blessed, behold, thus shall the man be blessed that fears the Lord. What a blessing it is to be involved in this great work. While we might not get the opportunity to share the gospel every day with somebody, I wish we did. For those of you who are raising your children, you get the opportunity to pass on the faith every day. Every day. It's a laborious task, night and day. Then we see it's an exemplary task. Verse 10, you are witnesses in God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. Key word there is witnesses, witnesses. And I know you know this, but uh, it's just interesting how it all plays out in the text as Paul is drawing this comparison to ministry and, and parenting and, and talking about how it all fits in together. 
You all know that children learn far more from what they see. From what they watch and observe. Oh, they, and they watch all the time. <laughs> they're watching when you don't think they're watching. Uh, you are witnesses. And so Paul would say, you notice then how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you believe who believe. Paul did not claim perfection for himself because Paul wasn't perfect. All you have to do is look at Romans 7 to know that that is true. He wasn't claiming perfection, but he does show some attainable goals for us all. He said, number one, I behave myself devoutly. Uh, devout is like the word devoted, devoted. How devoutly, how devoted, how dedicated to God and his service was. Uh, Paul had his faith constantly on display. It was easy for him. He was a church planter. But it can be a challenge sometimes to put that on display in our homes. We need to learn from Joshua and be like him and say, As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Uh, our children need to see us pray. They need to see us read and study. I had a good friend, still have a good friend, who talked about his dad. And I've never forgotten what he said. He said, when the alarm went off in my house and I got up and mom called us then to the table. And I walked into the table. He said, every day of my life, he said, I walked by my dad sitting in his recliner, reading his Bible and studying his Sunday school lesson. Every day of my life. Without fail. Without fail. We can put our faith, you see, on display. Just how devoted, dedicated, how devoutly uh, to God and His service, putting our faith on display. You see how we have been just, how justly we behaved ourselves. That speaks of fairness, of propriety, and yes, even of righteousness. How blamelessly they behaved, without a hint of wrongdoing. There was... Not only was there uh, nothing done that was wrong, he, he wasn't even doing things that looked wrong. He conducted himself devoutly, justly, and blamelessly. To put these things to work in our homes might seem to be a matter of course. Well, of course we have our faith on display. Of course we are fair to our kids. Of course we behave ourselves blamelessly without a hint of wrongdoing. Uh, uh, without ever even giving anything that anybody might even have a bad look at or, or look bad with our kids. Uh, but it's not something we take for granted. It's an exemplary task and one we must devote ourselves to, to being good examples. And lastly then, it's a hand-on task in verse 11. And you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. One of the things that just impressed me as I studied this passage this week was how that these verbs just piled up. How I've exhorted you, comforted, charged you. How justly, how fairly, how blamelessly. How like a, a mother uh, that cherishes her children. How we didn't please men. We didn't use flattering words or a cloak for righteousness. We didn't seek glory from men. On and on and on and on. 
he speaks to them. You remember. You remember. And he calls them then to do the same thing with this objective. My objective in all this was simple. That you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. We're reminded of the words of the aged Apostle John. Who wrote saying, I have no greater joy than to see my children walking in the truth. I said, what are, what are we saying? Well, we want them to walk worthy of the God who calls them. So what does he do to make this happen? He exhorts them. That means he teach them, instruct them, inform them. Oh, what an incredible task this is. I wish somebody, when I was still in the parenting mode and still had my little kids around, I wish somebody would have stood me up and reminded me that exhorting them doesn't mean that you don't have to yell at them or get loud with them in order to teach them. I, I wish somebody would have taught me that. Uh, I tended to go in preaching mode with my kids all the time. I did. I preached at them all the time. I know I did. And if I ever forget it, they remind me of it. You know, Dad, you... You went to preaching. I, I did. I, you don't have to be in preaching mode, guys. Or moms. But you do have to be in teaching mode. Instructing and informing them. Exhortation. Exhorted. Exhorted. Comforted. To offer consolation when hurting. When they're suffering. Or when they failed. I've exhorted them. And I have comforted them. And I've charged you, I've charged them, that is to instruct with the motivation, to charge, to give them a, a solemn, sacred charge. You instruct with the motivation. It's a hands-on task. From time to time in our culture today, we'll hear people quoting from that old book, and I don't even know what it was, it was... Seemed like Hillary Clinton wrote it. It takes a village, or maybe she just quoted from it. I don't remember right now, but I do know that's become a part of our culture, uh, our common thinking. It takes a village to raise a child. Well, I'm not sure it really does. Um, a lot of folks and <laughs> have done very well just raising their kids on their own. And uh, I understand the sentiment. It certainly is helpful when other people around you in your circle when you have pastors, when you have other church members, Sunday school teachers and leaders who say the same things to your kids that you say. That's a valuable asset. But at the end of the day, it comes down to us and our role as parents. And yes, our role as grandparents. And we have a great example for us here tonight. It is a lot of work. It takes a lot of attention, hands-on attention. It takes a lot of compassion. Um, and it takes being a good example. But as we put that before us and we look at the, uh, the end result, then we can raise kids who are walking worthy of the God who's called them, of the purpose that he's given them. And that... Brothers and sisters, is a great, great blessing. This, of course, all starts with our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
uh, it's impossible for people who aren't Christians to, to have a Christian home and to raise Christians. That's just not the way it works. It starts with your own faith in Jesus Christ. If you haven't trusted in him, I encourage you to do so. That goes back to that devoted part, dedicated, consecrated, set apart to God. And then we have from that, uh, after we are saved, then there's that need for baptism, that need for becoming a part of one of the Lord's churches and raising our children then in the nurture and the admonition, the instruction of the Lord. Let's stand together, please.